Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome back in the house of the Lord as we believe that we are here in the presence of God. And in this year, God wants us to look ahead, looking ahead, because when we know what is coming, we can prepare better. So this month of February, we will see that what is ahead, that there is a future. God is promising for you and I a future and a good future. So his promise, he never promised failure. God never promised, you know, bad things. Because in God, he can make everything to be good for those who love the Lord. Even the bad things, he can turn it around and make it for good for those who love the Lord. So we will see here that God is speaking to us about our future, about the future of the church, about the future of the world, and the God, the creator of the universe. He says, I've never done anything without disclose it to you. So he has sent his prophets, he has sent his servants, and we already received the word of God. And it's all written what will happen and why God is giving us that revelation is not to scare us. God doesn't want to make us afraid. But when he revealed it to us. He wants us to prepare. When we know what is going to happen, we will prepare better. So the purpose of uh, the message this afternoon is to have a new perspective. When we look ahead, when we look into the future end, what will happen in the future when we see what is coming, it will change our behavior. It should change our ethics, the way we do life, how we feel our life, how we conduct ourselves, because we know of what is coming. And if we really take it to heart, it will change your whole life. Your life will be changed. So let's see, we will read from Acts 17, verse 24 until 31. And I will invite you all to stand up together with me and we read these verses. This is from ESV. Acts 17, verse 24, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by men, 
nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him. Yet He is actually not far from each one of us. Verse 28, For in Him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Amen. Please be seated. So let's look first. This is Paul's talking to the people in the city of Athens. He is proclaiming the God whom they never heard before. Because the city was full of statues, full of idols. And people were worshipping those idols. And there is one idol that is written with the inscription to the unknown God. So they are worshipping something that is unknown to them. And Paul is saying, I am proclaiming to you now. This is the one that, is, that you worship as the unknown God. And it actually Paul is proclaiming this God is the creator of the world and everything, the Lord of heaven and earth. And if he is the Lord of heaven and earth, we cannot compare him, we cannot liken him to something that is made by human hands. You know, when they make statue, they make idol. The one who made it is man. And they made it, maybe they really make it really expensive. So they put gold on it. Maybe they put silver on it. But it's made by man. And if God is the creator of heaven and earth, he must be bigger. He cannot be compared by something that is created by human, which is the creation. So, Paul is talking about this God of heaven and earth. He has his dwelling place, which is beyond our understanding. It's above our human capability. So, when we are in face-to-face -face with this 
God of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe, then you understand something about yourself because you and I are being created in the image of God. As for the statues or idols, they cannot speak, they cannot listen, they cannot feel, but us, as the image of God, we are physical beings, but we also have soul. And not only that, we have spirit. You know, spirit is imagination. Just like an example from our senior pastor, he said, you know, animals, they don't have spirit. So if you see a bird, you know, they will build their nest from years back, thousands of years back, the same. They never have imagination to build like houses. You know, the bird's nest stays the same. But for us, because we have spirit, we have imagination. And now you see, people with their invention, they start to create all these high-tech houses and even a city, smart city. Because we are being created in the image of God. So number one, let's see from these verses, from verse 29. It says, being then God's offspring. So we are being called children of God. We have the fingerprints of God in us. So we need to understand if God is eternal, then we are being created in the image of God. We are also we live eternally, all of us. Because we are in the image of God. Our spirit, when someone dies, they just leave the body. But the spirit comes back to God who gives the breath. So our spirit will live eternally so there is eternal destination we have eternal future so this should change our the way we look in this world first corinthians 15 verse 32 paul say what do i gain if humanly speaking i fought with beasts at ephesus if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. So what people who don't know God, they thought that life is about eat, drink, have pleasure, and then we die. That's it. They thought that it's only the beginning is from birth. And the end is when you die, and that's it. But Paul is saying, that's not it. 
So we need to understand there is another life after death here. And actually, you know, as human, we, most of us, are afraid of death. That's why people go to see doctor. They take vitamins. They take, you know, how to stay young because they don't want to die. But the first death is not as bad as the second death. So we should be afraid of the future end where there is a second death. You know, the first death is only stepping from this earth into the realm of eternity. But the second death people will spend in the fire that is never died down. In the fire, in the worms, in the pain, in the torment, that's the second death. So when we realize that we have eternal future, then we have to prepare. Life is not about eating, drinking, having pleasure, and that's it. But there is something more that we need to prepare. Whatever we do here, it will affect our eternal future. And there's one thing. Maybe some of you, the world teaches, you know, you have to have a good investment. But one thing that we need to do is investment in the future. Eternal investment. Have you done it? That's why we encourage you. You know, don't just uh, be busy with your work, maybe with my own family, but let us give also time to God. Let us maybe by your prayers, by ministering to others, by going to connect groups, small groups, then you invest your time in the things that is eternal. Maybe you are serving the poor. We have also outreaches. You are serving those Sunday school kids. But when you do it for the Lord, you do it because you love the Lord, then you are making investment for the future. And the second one in verse 30, Knowing that we are eternal beings, we have eternal future, now God is calling us. He says in verse 30, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. When John the Baptist, when Jesus came, the message that they proclaimed, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
even more now, we are closer to the coming of the kingdom of heaven. So there is a time of ignorance, then God says. Maybe before, you know, before heaven revealed Jesus as the only Son of God being sent to die for our sin, to pay for our sins. Before that, it was maybe times of ignorance. People don't know. People don't realize. But when it was revealed that by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, you can have forgiveness of sin. You can get into the kingdom of God. Now, God says, He commands all people everywhere to repent. Why? Because God does not want anyone to perish. God does not want anyone to go into the second death, the eternal death. God does not want that. That's why he's calling, he's commanding, come on, all people everywhere, repent. There is one testimony of a guy who's been in uh, addiction to drugs. It was so bad. Even though he had a good family, he had a family that is serving God. But he was in the wrong crowds with the wrong friends and he was getting into all kinds of things. And finally, when one time he was so bad uh, in the withdrawal stage of the drugs, he was in the car with his friend and he was like dying because of the withdrawal from the drugs and you know what happened his friends knowing that this man is having such a severe withdrawal they threw him out of the car they left him on the road and when he was left alone on the road, he thought that, oh God, this is my dying times. No one helping me. He was just right there on the road. And he just remembered one word. So in that dying moment, he said, Jesus, I give my life to you. Nobody else, no one alone on the road. And when he cried out to Jesus in that place on the road, he was saved. And his life now turned around. He was witnessing to the kindness of God, what God has done in his life. You know, repentance, how can that man repent if it's not because of God's kindness towards him. Maybe also his family has been praying for this man. And in his kindness, God visited him at the right time, the right moment. Maybe also you say, 
But I already repented. I already come to church. I already served the Lord. You know, when the Bible talks about sin, one of the words that is being used for sin, it means missing the mark. So it's like when you are trying to shoot an arrow, there are uh, several circles. You are supposed to hit the center. If you don't hit the center, that means you miss the mark. So sin is missing the mark. So when we still are not 100% on target, when we are not 100% in obedience to God, that means there are some things that we need still to repent. God is calling us to 100% obedience. Peter said in 1 Peter 4, 1 to 3, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. So we all, at some point in our past, we were living in all sorts of things that is not according to the will of God. And God is saying, now it's already enough time you spent in those things. Now, it's time for us to live the rest of our life for the will of God. And the same thing Paul is speaking to the Corinthians church in verse 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor refilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. When you look at the list, it also say the greedy. Maybe you say, oh, I don't do all those things. But it's also say, when you have desire, you always desire more and more and more and more. Never satisfied. I need to have more. And even in other verse, God says, liars will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, there are still some things that we need to repent of. When God already finds your life, 
nor lies. That's what he wants. Doesn't matter it's white lies, brown lies, black lies. God wants a pure, blameless, spotless bride of Christ. And verse 11, it says, And such were some of you. Yes. Those in the church, we all have past life. But we need to continue. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So this is what we need to experience in our repentance. It's not only that we turn around, we stop doing those things, but we need to continue that God is not only washing us, the washing is with the Word and with prayer. But it's also sanctification. It's a process. You are being sanctified. Sanctified. Being made holy and more holy. Maybe some of you say, oh, that's impossible. We are living in a world that is so chaotic, full of sins. How can we live holy? We need to agree with the Word of God. That what he said. And when he said, I give you the Holy Spirit to help. You can overcome. You can put to death the desires of your flesh. That means you can do it. If he is giving you the help, he is giving you the support, he is giving you the power. That means it can be done. It can happen. By the power of Jesus. And you were justified in the name of Jesus. So our repentance needs to grow into a life that is purified in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the spirit of our God. And we come to this point that in Revelation, you know, what happened? It says, they will make war on the Lamb and the Lamb, Jesus will conquer them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. Maybe when we already say, okay, I already repent. When God called you and you repent, you turn around. Okay, Lord, now I will follow you. Now, but it's not enough being the called. You need to continue being the chosen. The chosen means there is some selection happening. There is some process. There is some exam that we need to go through life. And that's true. We all have sufferings. We have troubles. Those are the things that will refine our faith. And when you still fight the good fight, of the faith, you still holding on to your faith after the test, then you are chosen. 
Some people, the Bible say, they have their faith shipwrecked. That means they already follow. They already hold the faith. But at one time, when they have the storm, the ship comes to a wreck. It does happen. Faith can be shipwrecked. But we need to fight the good fight of the faith. You have to fight. You have to hold fast to your faith when circumstances is all going wrong. And it's not only being chosen, but the last one who will come to the last stage is the faithful. That's why I encourage you all, we all here, we pray for you, that you will not only start the good faith in Jesus, but that you will continue being faithful. Your faith is being full until the end. When at the end, you're still holding on to your faith. That's why in Ecclesiastes, it says, The day of death is better than the day of birth. Because the day of death, that means the summary of your life. How you end your life. And God is calling us, the ones who are with him are the faithful ones. And the third one from Acts 17. What is our future? We see that God is setting up there will be a global judgment. Verse 30 and 31. The times of ignorance got overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Why we need to repent? Verse 31. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, Jesus. This is the plan. When you know the plan, you are better prepared. When you know you are going into a court, you have to prepare. You have to be prepared going into a court. So God is telling you now, this will happen in order for you to be prepared. God says, In Luke, that you will escape the wrath that is to come. And you will be able to stand before the Son of God. The purpose why God is telling all these things is so that we can escape what is going to happen on the earth. And we can stand before the judge of all the living. So it's his grace. It's his love that he wants us now to know and to prepare. So let's see here. This is uh, prepared by, by our senior pastor. I'm sorry it's in Indonesian text, but we can help you out with 
the translation. So this is the plan of God when he created the earth. Now, humankind is being given 6,000 years. So, we already on the sixth millennium, and we are right here, somewhere here. After the sixth millennium, we are coming into the seventh one. So, in this millennium will be the reign of the 1,000 rule of Christ. Jesus will reign from Jerusalem here. So everyone on this earth will have to come to Jerusalem to worship Jesus. Now, some people going into here, you know, they still have this body. And if people sin during this reign of Jesus, they will die. Die because of sin. That is being called the iron scepter, the ruling of Christ. Before this, you know, the transition before the years of man to the day of God, he will come. Jesus will come. This is the second coming of Christ. He will come into the earth here. And after 1,000 years, and then God will bring down the new heaven and the new earth. And we will have eternity with God here. So you will see there will be two wars that is being mentioned. One, Armageddon. It will happen before the 1,000. At the end of the 1,000, there will be another war, Gog and Magog. So at the end of 1,000, the devil will be released. And he will still deceive many people. All those people will come to war against God. So that's at the end of 1,000. So let's look at uh, this one. So this is the transition from the 6th millennium to the 7th. Before we come into the seventh millennium, we will have what is being called rapture. Rapture will happen. Rapture is like when you have a fruit tree. Not all the fruit will ripe at the same time, right? The first fruit is the one that is ripened first. So the first fruit is will be taken up to meet the Lord in the air. 
you read this in Thessalonians. Those who are ready, who are mature, will be taken up to meet the Lord in the air. But the rest will go through this seven years of tribulation. So we see here, the red is here, seven years as being explained in the book of Daniel as the 70th week, the last week. This is where the Antichrist will rule the whole world. So if the Bible already told us about the Antichrist is coming, then now it's already working to form the whole ruling, the global ruling of the world. It's happened because the Bible already told us it will happen. So this seven year will be such a great time of persecutions. That's why we encourage the church, we encourage you now, come on, let's be ready, be mature, leave behind things that still of the world. This is time to focus solely, you know, single focus on Jesus. Because we are in such a close time here. And after the seven years of tribulation, Jesus, second coming of Jesus, he will come on the earth. And when he came, stepped down. There will be a great earthquake. We just saw a great earthquake, but that he's coming, maybe even greater earthquake. When Jesus comes and then he established his rule. At the end of one thousand rule of Christ, there will be a white throne judgment. Revelation 27 until 15. So God is telling us this is what's going to happen. We need to be prepared. Because in that time of judgment, this time, God says every work, every deed, every action, every word, will be judged. Even the secrets of mankind. So get ready to have all your secrets being exposed. So now when God is telling us it's coming, there is a judgment day. So now when we confess, Lord, I confess I did something wrong. Please, Lord, forgive me, Lord. I repent. And when you say to God, when you confess to God, when you ask for forgiveness, and the blood of Jesus will wipe out your sins and mistakes. It's being erased. You are being clean. No more things that stand against you in the court of heaven. So now is the time to repent. Now is the time to confess. 
now is the time to come back to God until we are being found faithful, 100% obedience. That's our prayer. When God is giving us this, He's not scaring us. He's not going to threaten us. But it's His grace, His love, so that you can escape, escape, the time of rain and to be able to stand before the Son of God. Amen. Let's have the musicians to come forward. Let's bow ourselves before the Lord and let's all stand up before Him. Here I bow, Lord Jesus, to find your grace, to find your mercy 